You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh, yes, right a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post it. What up? Fran, talk to me, big dog. It's Christmas time. <clears throat> you are uh, daddy of you know of two children. Yeah. What's, what's going on? Is the tree up? What's how's the? Did you uh, put lights up? How, what's 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 going on? What's new? Nah, tis the season, man. Nah, not we didn't get the tree yet. Uh, I don't think I don't I mean, think we're going to do lights outside. We only got two weeks left for it to even be up. Man, I'm working, man. You don't even have a fake tree. No, you should invest in a nice fake tree. Then you can I think break it down. I think I think we're about to buy one. I think yeah. it's in the process of getting one, but we just haven't. Because last time we had a tree. We went and cut it. When was it ourselves. nice? It was cool. It was a nice tree, didn't it? Was uh, Max born? No, uh, not when we got that tree. No. Then y'all should do it one last time. And then, um, at least I don't think so. I don't know. But anyway, we got the tree, and then I guess we didn't water it good enough, and it just got like gross. And died. Got, got, got old. We don't have to water like, it. It's like they'd be running around and go, they're stomping. Oh, all the bristles and shit fall down. Mess. Once you cut that tree, it starts to it's dying. You don't have it watering. It won't do anything. It's dead. It's dying. Yeah. I just was trying to see where your head is at, you know, as far as Christmas goes. Yeah. But it is, you know, it is tis the season as a male person. Yes. You know, this this is it, right? This, this is, is all hands on deck. This is like a battle scene in Lord of the Rings or something. This yeah, is, but this is the easiest Christmas I've had since I've been in the post office. Really? Yeah. Do you think that's because of the economy or I just no, I think it's just where I'm it's where, where I'm Oh, at now. okay. You got a good station. Yeah. It's the easiest. I'm not Working crazy hours. Well, give it up to you, man. Yeah, man. I'm happy. Like, it seemed like Christmas this year has come faster than any other year to me. Well, it's not here yet. But I mean, like, before, like, maybe like two years ago, I go, damn, it's two more weeks left? God. Would you say you already would have felt it by, like, by, like, November? Like, it would have already been crazy? first week this time, I would have been like, this shit, I don't know if I can hold out. And now you're like, this is a breeze. It's easy. It's It's already almost here. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's a good point. Um, have you heard about, this made me laugh. For I'm going to get into the reason it made me laugh, but people have been tagging us and you, I would assume, just you specifically. There's like apparently the post office has started a podcast. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. I read the description. It was like, find out about what the inner workings of the post office is. I've never heard the podcast. I bet you it starts like this. It's like, welcome to the USPS. Everything's great. We love working at the post office. Every day the mail trucks come out on perfect time and we get the mail delivered to everybody. And then it's like a a testimonial from some old lady that's fake. She's like, I love my mail person and my mail's here every day at the same time. (laughs) The mail's great. And that's what it is. I'm sure it's just propaganda. Mm. So I, I don't think I don't. They, they're trying to read. I'm not. Never mind. You need. Yeah, you need to make your own. You, <laughs> you need to make your own podcast. It's like, yo, what's up? I'm Fran. Shit is crazy. That is a I, great <laughs> idea. I do what I want. It's like <laughs> I have all the leverage. They. Like, <laughs> I might do that. I oh, might just have carries on. Oh man, listen, man, you come up that. with a name. You know, carry yeah. on my wayward son or something like that. Something about mail carrier. Mm. Um, great idea. Let's brainstorm some names right now. Mail, mail. You've got mail, mail. Mail on mail. No, no, that's that. um, no, uh, um, Maylee Dale, like Daily Mail. Maylee Dale. It would be better if your name was Dale. If your name was Dale, <laughs> that'd be a great podcast yeah. name. 
Does that have that mail? I don't got that. Mail. I guess not. Well, you know more the ins and outs. Yeah. What do you do? I don't know. Writing. I would call letter, it maybe like the, maybe like the the red the red flag podcast. Oh, what would that be about? The little flag that's up on the post on the oh well you know that's taking on a life of its own that whole red flag thing. What's that? Well, it's like um girls and guys would be like you know mm, never mind red then. flag um, about uh, why you shouldn't date this person. Got you. If they're like I have a thousand teddy bears in my house, they're like that's a red flag. We'll ch- we'll shelf that. We'll table that discussion. Fran, yes, crime is up. And I wanted to have I wanted to have a crime is up. Oh, crime is up all across the country. And I feel like we had discussions about early on in 2020, us being like, you know, it's not as crazy out here as I thought it would be, given that everybody the world is shut down, people can't work and stuff. It's not as crazy as I thought it would be mm-hmm. as far as, you know, people committing crimes and stealing and, and, and stuff. And what I think happened is because the world was shut down, everybody I mean, don't, don't get it twisted. Like, crime was def- definitely still happening and yeah. probably was for sure up. But it's like, you know, uh, the LAPD chairman or commissioner or whatever the hell mm. put out a statement to the world saying, if you were planning on coming to L.A. for Christmas vac- vacation, don't. <laughs> like, uh, it's, it's like, it's out of, it's like insane. And what I think is happening is inflation the effects of COVID and people not working there. It's all, it's all catching up. Like mm-hmm. it's all this, everything is starting to like really show its results now. Cause everything trickles down. Mm-hmm. If the middle class starts hurting, the upper, upper class never really hurts, but you know, and everything's true. They hurt a little, then we, then the next level hurts a little, mm-hmm. the next level hurts a little and it's trickled down. And I think 2020 affected whatever's left of the middle class, whatever's left of people who is like, I can work, 40 hours a week, pay my bills, and I'm not doing anything flashy, but I'm getting by. Mm-hmm. Once those people started hurting, then the people underneath that felt the effects of those people not spending money. Yeah. And I think that's where we are now. Because, I mean, I've seen videos, I don't know if you've seen these, where people are doing, like, flash robberies now. What's that? Like, they'll just go, let's say it's a Louis Vuitton store on a main street. They'll just and pull just- five cars up. In they front of the here? store, probably they've been doing a jewelry store. I think some t- like thirteen dudes went into a jewelry yeah. store with hammers and just started yeah. breaking all the glass. Wow. And it's just snatching grabs, but it's at a level I've never seen before. It's just like it's so, it's so brazen, and I think that we have now we've now reached a point. And I felt like this the country was going this direction for a long time, but I feel like we are the pandemic might have exacerbated things. I don't inflation. I don't know. We are we are an, another large step closer to like haves and have nots. Mm-hmm. And it's like either you're good or you are desperate, you know, and there's not there's there's even less of a middle than there was. And so that has created such a desperation that people are willing to do some of the most. I mean, I've seen there was a lady that got stabbed in a church, just stuff where you if it just felt like there used to be rules yeah. like stuff. Crime is crime. Yeah. And if you do something, that you, yeah, it was crazy, man. A kid got shot in a school. There was a shooting, like a Wild West style shooting in Hamden, which is a really nice neighborhood here. And they were like shooting out of the cars at each other. The whites were aghast. They were like, wait, what? Oh, this, oh, this is a bullet hole in my Tesla? Like they were shocked because they were shooting the bullets, shooting the guns out of the car, like crazy while, while driving the cars. And I really feel like, yeah, we're at a we're at a point of like haves and have nots. And in a desperate time like that, you're starting to see the crime rates jump up. Like mm-hmm. I've seen so many like I've seen so many videos and heard so many stories out of L.A. of people just getting robbed in places where people don't get robbed. 
in restaurants. I saw a dude get robbed. Him and his lady were on a date. And the dude just came and put the gun to his stomach like, hey, man, just keep eating your salad and give me the shit. Take the ring, the ring off and all of it. Give me everything. And the dude, he, he was like, <laughs> he just kept eating the salad and played it cool. And the, the dude took everything off him and his wife and just walked out smooth. In the restaurant. In the restaurant. Inside the restaurant. There? No, it was people. It was people behind him. It was a. It was a full. It was a restaurant. It was. It looked like a Thursday night at a restaurant, and he just can't. But that's. It's like it's brazen. It's out of control. People are like, I am hungry. I yeah. am. I need money. Whatever the case is. It's like you understand it, but it's like it's hard to accept. It's like you understand yeah. why people steal. Like they don't. They don't have it. Yes. But it's like. But we live in. But in and it's it's one of those kind of things where. It, when you're trying to be the rational person, yeah, because that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to explain violence and chaos and give it a reason and a purpose. But nobody has, wants to hear that. It has a reason. Of course, it has a reason. Yeah. But nobody wants to hear that when it's really was. It's much easier to be like these fucking animals, evil, evil animal monsters. They're terrible people committing crimes. Uh, liberal policies. It's easier to be like, oh, of course, California. They don't punish people, so that's why they're doing that kind of stuff. And it's yeah. like, no, I mean. People are desperate. People are hungry. People haven't worked, and it's trickling down to people. And when de- desperate people do desperate things, yeah. And you know, again, nobody wants to hear that shit when they get robbed. I don't want to. I'm not. Tr- if I get, if somebody robs me, I'm not trying to hear like, yeah, man. But you know, he's probably hungry, so that's why he put the gun to your temple. It was like because <laughs> he's just rough times. Like I don't give a shit. Put him in jail. Yeah. Like I'm not trying to hear. But like, it's not just all of a sudden. The people of LA are evil now. Yeah, it's desperation. Like it, there's a purpose and a reason to it. It's not just, yo, let's just fucking rob people now. Let's just yeah. be evil robbers and rob people. And it, you know, there, there's there's been a there's been a like a wave of desperation that's come over the country over the last couple of years. Yeah, for a lot of reasons. At home, I've seen a lot of home burglaries too. Yes, crazy. People are trying to get whatever they can get yeah. to get by jewelry anything and so i mean i don't know what the answer to that is i would tell people be safe you know if if you are not some kind of pacifist you know and and, you know anti-gun i I don't again i want to make it clear like i'm not against you somebody buying a weapon to protect their home yeah i just don't think it needs to be a a, a hundred bullet magazine you know what i mean like i'm not opposed to somebody having a, a firearm to protect their home and keep your family safe. I think that you absolutely have every right to do that. Yeah. And in a time like this, if that's an option you want to go for, I say, hey, man, go for it. Yeah. But just be a, a responsible and safe gun owner. Because yeah. we've seen what happens when people aren't. Yep. So that And that goes into a whole other thing. I still haven't got mine yet. I need to get one. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I respect it. You have very skinny arms, though. I'm concerned. You, made to get you, you need to get you something with like minimal kickback. Because I don't want you snapping before. your wrists. And, huh? I tried a gun before. I'm not. I'm not. You make it come on and say like I'm a skeleton or something. I I have a little bit of strength. And I was just I was just remarking on <laughs> how skinny your wrists are, and maybe you should have a gun that has a kick doesn't have too much kickback. That's all I'm saying. Then what that that doesn't scare anybody. What a small gun? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody hasn't seen Men in Black. Am I right? Alien guns. Yeah, the noisy cricket. Really, man. It was a movie, bro. What do you want? It's what not you real. <laughs> that's a, you know that's a perfect segue. Interesting that you say that it wasn't real, Fran, because we just recorded. A podcast is coming out next month. Do you want to tell the people what we got going coming out in uh, January? Oh, you can tell them. Okay, uh, I will do so. <laughs> uh, and uh, me, me and Fran have uh, started a new podcast that's coming out exclusively to Patreon. It's called Conspiracies. That's C O N S Beer B E E R 
Assis, conspiracies. Every uh, every episode, we will be discussing conspiracies from the uh, darkest parts of the internet, debating them, uh, and trying to convince the other that it's either true or false. I'm very excited. The first episode, I'm very excited to release it. It's it's edited. It's it's ready to go. We're gonna release that in January. There's gonna be uh, cover art. It's a, it's a whole thing. It's an official Patreon exclusive podcast. I can't wait for you people to hear it. And maybe I'll do an episode about uh, Ali- uh, Area 51 technology. That might be fun. Speaking of noisy cricket. So that was a fun transition. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, friend, uh, let's get to uh, some shout outs. We got a couple of shout outs and then we'll, okay. yeah, we'll go ahead and take a break before we get into the fucked up shit. That's right, folks. It's time for some shout outs. Uh, once again, it is the Christmas season. So this is a short list. I understand, you know, people uh, got other things to spend their money on. And I fully understand. But to those of you who still keep coming out and showing support and Deciding to join the train, we appreciate you. We're going to start off with Sarah M. Shout out to Sarah M. Much appreciated. Those stunner shades she's got on, I appreciate those. Put your stunner shades on, Sarah. Much uh, much love and gratitude to you. And lastly, we got Melissa M. And that is it. <laughs> yeah, boom, had to fade that out gracefully. But thank you to those two wonderful people and individuals. Uh, much appreciated. Again, folks, I'm, t- I'm letting you guys know now. 2022 we got a lot of plans for the patreon this podcast is coming out in early january i'm really excited about it i think it's going to be really funny and fun and exciting and you're going to hear franchise all kind of beers first first go around we went for it with, with a nice simple beer but i'm very excited to get you like a complex ipa because i know you're going to hate is, it what is the full term of the ipa what is it is it's acronym an for what indian pale ale okay so so uh beers and this is I'm not an expert, so I'm sure people are going to be like, that's not fully true. But mm-hmm. beers essentially fall on a tier like of lagers and ales. And then everything, all the different types of beers fall underneath those two categories. So like a Pilsner is a lager. An IPA is an ale. Uh, uh, a pale ale is an ale. Like, you know, like so it's, it's, it's but those are the two like trees mm-hmm. that the branches of different types of beer fall under. Lagers and ales. Okay. So we're going to go through the whole slew of types. Okay. And I'm really excited because I too. know you're going to hate IPAs. Um, but then well, you drink what was enough. The one we just had. That was a sour beer. Oh, sour it's, beers it's are like sour beer. I think sour beers are just a whole. Di- I don't know what category sour beers fall under if the, if it because it's still beer, but they use other types of things like other types of fermented things to add the flavor to it. So I don't know what it is categorized as or if it's just its own type of beer. Mm. But I like sour beers more than most of the types of beers. I also like stouts, which is like a creamy coffee milky type of beer Mm. so but we're gonna go through them all man and i'm excited to go down the journey and i'm excited for people to hear i think it's gonna be really fun and you were great and i'm excited for people to hear you be (laughs) animated and fucking a dick which you can be people are like this guy's chill like no i think people are gonna find out i'm chill yeah but you're not as chill on on this podcast and I'm excited for people to hear that. Hear the real you. This facade you got going on is you've you've lulled people into a false sense of security, and they think you're <laughs> something that you're not. I and, am like, but you are. You can be a dick and can be animated and be a little aggressive. And I think I'm I'm ready to expose when it's, you. You know when it's deserved. Yeah, I didn't say all that. That part that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But it's there, and it can happen, and people don't know that. They just think you're like he's so chill. I huh? am. Whatever. Chill, sweet, nice, handsome young man. Get off his dick. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going <laughs> to... Telling somebody to get off their own dick is crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, we're going to take a quick break before we get into some fucked up shit. Still stick around. 
Fran, my affirmative murder this week is a recent story. I still put together all the facts and everything of the, of the case, but there is no, um, hasn't been resolved as far as a conviction yet because mm. it just happened like last month. But uh, my affirmative murder is the story of Sylvia Matthews. Okay. So in 1998, 48-year-old Sylvia Matthews was working at a, as a pharmacist at the Lorton Correctional Complex in Virginia. It's believed that this is where she first met Michael Garrett. After his release in 1998, he began stalking Sylvia. On January 22, 1999, Matthews heard glass break upstairs in her home and discovered it was Garrett climbing in through her window. And it's like, uh, I just, I just, that's, I've never had that experience, thankfully, but it's like, what do you do? Like, I have dreams about that sometimes where you, you like, are aware that your house is being broken into. Mm-hmm. Not just you turn the corner and there's somebody in your home. Like, yeah. you know, it's somebody breaking, you can hear Time it. Getting, yeah. And it's, it's like, what do you what is the, I mean, obviously you think go to the exits, but it's, it's a feeling I just, you know, I, I, I can imagine like you hear that you, is your instinct to go like maybe the, the a tree branch broke the glass. Like I, w- I don't know what I would do. No, man, you go and turn the shower on, play some loud music and then get some remotes, turn the TV up, have a movie plan. Then you scare them off. Let's get out of here. You filthy animals. Oh, oh, you home alone it. Yeah. God, oh, okay, okay. I thought I thought you were going to go somewhere dark. <laughs> I thought you were going like uh, Jason Statham. Like, yeah, you make them think you still don't know what's going on. Set all that up. Get your gun. And then they think you're somewhere in the house distracted, maybe taking a shower, yeah. so that they're walking around a little bit more comfortable, and then you murder them. Mm, That's wow. where I thought you were going. But what if they come in and you just like... You you in the office, right? And then the, the lights are dim, uh-huh. but you in the chair, but the chair spin the other way. Yes. And it's like they come in and you like, they see the back of the chair. Uh-huh. And you like, just been waiting for you. Oh. That may scare them off. So what took you so long? Yeah. Something something ominous like that. Yeah. Oh, see, you t- uh, you took the stairs. They're like, what? <laughs> 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 yeah, that would be creepy. Yeah, that'd be wild. I would, got, I would go, yeah. um, They're like, I'm out of here. You got the stuff? Then they're like, oh, shit, this dude's like uh, Tony Soprano or something. Yeah. Like, I just walked into, I think a drug deal is about to happen. <laughs> I just came here to steal a TV. That'd be crazy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That'll throw your shit all yeah. off. Just leave the coke on the table. You're like, I came here to steal a t- uh, Nintendo Switch. <laughs> this is like- Got a cigar lit and shit. Yeah, I need to, I need to go. <laughs> I walked into, a, <laughs> I think this is an El Chapo deal. I came here for small pennies. That'd be wild. I was looking for a jewelry box. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, so she heard uh, glass breaking upstairs. Um, she discovered that it was Matthews who had broken into her home. After a bit of a scuffle, uh, she, uh, she was able to escape from the home, and a, p- a police arrived to find him hiding in a closet in Matthews' basement. So he didn't even leave the house. Stayed in there? Stayed in there. I don't, I, maybe he thought she was going to come back. Again, I don't know the mind of a stalker. I have some stalker, some stalker facts mm-hmm. at the end of the story, but I don't know. Maybe he thought she, she would come back. And he was arrested for maybe, assault. Maybe he did that to think they, to make them think that, oh, he ran away. Yeah, so that they, it was like, oh, it's all calmed yeah, down. She, she back comes back home. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's probably what's his plan. They, he probably didn't think they would find him. And then he would be in the home when she got back in yeah. and her security was let down and she felt safe again and all that stuff. So that's scary when you think of it that way. Yeah. Like he was planning on being there when everything Oh, her security settled. is never, it's never going to be back to yeah. and I'll being get let in. down again. Yeah. And I'll get into um, that as well. He was arrested and charged with stalking, assault with a dangerous weapon, destruction of property, and multiple counts of burglary before ultimately being sentenced to 24 years in prison. In 2021, this year, 
D.C. Judge Robert Okun granted Garrett a, a compassionate release from prison two years early in around January. Compassionate release. Yeah, around January or March. I, that's what they're calling it, but here's the reason why. So around January, between January or March, that time, that like winter time of, of this year, and it was because of the of COVID nineteen outbreaks at DC jails, which I heard about. I actually, I actually know some people who have who got out based on that. You know, some people that got out. Yeah, like you got criminal friends now. Not criminal, <laughs> criminal family members. Oh. Um, um, but yeah, like if if they were serving six year a six year sentence and they've done three of the six, they could tell their lawyer that their cons- you know their lawyer could come and argue that their health and safety is in danger because of COVID. And some people have been granted a, you know, early release based on that stuff. Wow. And, and, and I see the positive argument to that. Cause if you're in prison on a, on a possession charge, you know, n- nothing physical, nothing dangerous, not an assault charge. Like you had some weed, you had some Coke, you had some recreational drug of choice on you mm-hmm. and you got busted and now you're in prison and you are obese. You have a bad heart. You are whatever, like people who are susceptible to dying from COVID and you are three years into a six-year sentence or or two years into a or four-year sentence for possession or something like that, and your, your lawyer argues, like, they could get COVID and die in here. They're not a danger to society. They were just, they just had drugs on them. Mm. I think my client should be released. I could see an argument for that, for sure. Dangerous time, unhealthy conditions. We all, we've seen all the videos. Prison is one of the most disgusting places you'll ever see, and there are countries that have worse prisons than ours and the, the prisons here are pretty fucking bad so but how, what do you think how how prisons are supposed to be though if, if criminals are in it how do you think they're supposed to be managed and run well i feel like if prison is in a in a utopian society right let's let's preface it with that in a utopian society if prison is supposed to be a place for rehabilitation then they should offer you alternatives to change your life around when you get out whether that's education programs which you know prisons prisons do have um, some of them do anyway. Education programs, feeling a sense of dignity, like making somebody. You, I mean, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. One way to make sure that somebody becomes a criminal is to make them feel like an animal for a couple of years, and then put them in spaces with people who are professional criminals, and then they just get better, become better criminals. That's what prison in America does, and probably everywhere. Like it just makes you into a better criminal. So I don't know. I'm not saying they should be getting beef Wellington and shit. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm just saying like the um, you know the the shower should be clean and you shouldn't be at risk of getting staff infections everywhere you go and you know the food shouldn't be moldy. You know I, I don't think that I'm not saying give them five star cuisine, but how about like not moldy bread? I agree with you, but I I do also believe in making it so they go. Oh, I don't want to go back there ever. Yeah, sure, but I feel like, you know, it's not summer camp. If it had if they didn't have moldy bread, you still are locked down in your cell for hours at a time. It's you're stuck in four walls, can't see your family. It's still prison. Like I feel like if it was a little cleaner, I, people still wouldn't want to go back. Barring you your life outside of prison is awful. You know, if you're homeless or something like that and you don't want to be homeless, I could see somebody just being like, I'm going to be a petty criminal and just come back to jail. But no, I mean I feel like most people, even if the prison was clean and the food was decent, mm. like school lunch level, we look back fondly on like uh, the cheese pizza and shit from element from elementary and middle school. Like, oh man, that shit was fire. It wasn't, <laughs> but like they're not even getting that quality. Fire of then? Food. It was absolutely fire. Then those little uh, ground beef uh, nuggets, those little 
little pepperoni, whatever. It wasn't sausages. pepperoni. Yeah, little sausages. Yeah, those little sausages. Who knows what that was, right? But at the time, you're like, this is fire. <laughs> I don't want cheese. Give me the sausage. It was a choice. Yeah. Like, man, they only, the got, they only the have squid, cheese though. squares today. Yeah, yeah. I want the sausage square. Yeah, pizza for breakfast. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> pizza at 9.30 in the morning with chocolate milk is, I don't know how the, the bathrooms weren't just shitted up crazy. Like, it, the things they had us, then you put uh, <laughs> hot, flaming hot Cheetos on the chicken sandwich. I no, was doing you all did that. Of, oh, oh, it wasn't everybody? <laughs> no. Okay, no, I was, yeah. Uh, me, no, me neither. Nobody did that. That's crazy. No, what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I told him myself, huh? Right. Okay, that's fair. I thought everybody was doing that. No? Yeah, the chicken patty roll up in a pizza. Like, no, you did that. <laughs> <laughs> you did that. Oh, so nobody else was eating pizzicken? It was just me eating pizzicken. Okay, that's fine. That's wild. I don't need to explain myself <laughs> to you, okay? I'm making I'm making uh, a crucial choice. It was gross. Anymore. Um, but anyway, so, so um, back to the story. So <laughs> they let this man out of prison because of the, the COVID risk of prisoners. And I've heard of other people using that same excuse and being let out of prison. Seven months later, on October 7th, Garrett was arrested again for allegedly threatening Sylvia Matthews at the front door of her home. So he tracked her down after a couple after of months. He after he got out, he tracked her down and started stalking her immediately. 20, 22 years later, because he was supposed to serve 24 years, got out two years early. 22 years later, probably spent every day in prison still thinking about her. Yeah. I have to imagine, which is terrifying. The idea that 22 years didn't curb his stalking, that as soon as he got back out, he got right back to it essentially. Well, probably because he, he was like, well, he probably think in his head, like, I'm in here because of her. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that doesn't make it better, but yeah, no, that's I didn't think of it at that. Like, because who knows what he wanted to do before he got arrested? Whether he thought he could date her or whatever. Yeah. But now it might be a revenge. It went from stalking out of like worship and affection or whatever yeah. to stalking out of anger. Yeah, I didn't think about that because now it's now a violent stalking. So um, on October seventh, he was arrested. Um, he was arguing with her, asking her to let her into her home on October seventh. Surveillance video allegedly showed him knocking on the door of the home and, a, and asking her to open up. Matthews told police that he also threatened to kill her. He was arrested for threats to kidnap or injure a person, but prosecution was denied. Now, again, he has a history that he just got out of prison six, seven months ago, and he's now at the front door of the person he was arrested for attacking, and his, his, the case was dismissed on October 7th. Wow. 15 days after that, Matthews accused Garrett of putting her in a headlock and punching her in the face, as well as threatening to kill her again. He broke in the house or something? No, he caught her. I mean, they live in this. She has to go live her life, you know, so he caught her walking out of her home on her way to the store, whatever, and, and just up, co confronted her and assaulted her. So he threatened to kill her again, according to her, but his prosecution was suspended for unnamed reasons. He failed that lady, man. Yes, very much so. Sylvia called police on Garrett at least twice during the morning of December 3rd, just a week ago, yeah. on December 3rd, when he appeared outside her home yet again. The first call came around 7.30 in the morning. Right and early. Yeah, he was at her door first thing in the morning. When police said Matthews reported that Garrett was breaking into her car and attempting to break into her house, officers reportedly didn't find Garrett when they, when they responded to the scene. And they left. Again, this is a man who just got out of prison for assaulting this woman. Yeah. Had two incidences a, a couple of weeks prior to this. Now they show up. She's saying he's trying to break into the house. 
Stick around. And they leave. Go down the block and, you know, bring an unmarked car and just sit on the house for a couple of hours. Just to make this lady feel comfortable. Maybe she, maybe she was mistaken. Let's go with that. Maybe you come, you go, you looked around here, he's not here. But this is the guy that's been stalking you, right? And we were, we have seen him here. We've come out to re- incidences and stuff. Put a car down the street for a couple hours. And if they would have done that, because check this shit out. So 7.30, they call. They come, they check the scene out, nothing. At 8.44 a.m., an hour after the first call, Matthews called once more to say she saw Garrett outside again. This time he was on the phone with her. So he's outside the house talking to her on the phone. I get her number. You could Google her or something. You know what I mean? I'm sure there's like, there's way too much information online. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there's a multitude of ways he could have got her number. So, like I said, so she now calls the police again and says he's outside and I'm on the phone with him. Police then arrived to the scene again, reportedly took Matthew's phone, told Garrett to leave her be, but he hung up the phone. So they came back out. She's saying he's on the phone now. Mm-hmm. He's been threatening me since I called you guys. He takes the phone from that, from from Miss Matthews and goes, "Hey, also keep in mind, Sylvia Matthews is seventy one years old. She was forty eight when she was working at the correction. I mean, working at the the prison, and now it's twenty two years later. This is an elderly woman. Yeah, seventy one year old woman. He takes the phone from this lady and is like, "Hey, man, knock it off, jokester." Wow. Hangs up the phone. All right, he's not here. We'll see you later. Now, this is the second time they're out here in an hour. Yeah. Now, I would think you really just, you go, okay, there's something brewing here. Let me just stick around close by. That would well, be my I logical. Who, I wonder who makes that, that call, though. Does the police? The, like, as the, far as who? The officer makes that call? Do, do, do the uh, That's a good question. Like, if, can, it, can you just make an on-the-fly decision, or do you yeah. have to get permission? Yeah. And somebody could say, no, we need you somewhere else. That's We don't have the manpower. to. That could be that. Yeah. But also, it could have just been, who the fuck is this lady, man? I don't know. Who, who? How serious is this? She's old. This guy's probably old. Whatever. It's it's a it's a domestic disturbance. If something happens, we'll be back. But twice in the same morning, I would think like, hey, man, this is escalating. Let's keep somebody around. Yeah. Especially if best case scenario, she calls again for some. Oh, he's in the bushes. And then you got to come out again. So why not just keep somebody in the vicinity? So like I said, the police officer tells the guy, hey, man, hey, 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 you cut that out, okay? But he already hung, hung, up, yeah, he hung up the phone. So Fuck listen, off. you've been winding this lady up. You're being a real Weisenheimer. This is done. <laughs> guy hung up the phone. It was a ring, a ring, a dial tone. He didn't hear any of that shit. So then, unfortunately, at 1130 a.m., the police were called once again to the home. This time, it was by a neighbor who told them that... Uh, Sylvia Matthews was being held hostage inside her home. Witnesses told authorities that they saw and heard someone matching Garrett's description yelling at Matthews and attempting to break into her house. Upon entering, Garrett told police that he was just a friend checking on Matthews and found her unconscious on the floor. So the police came, knocked the door down. He's in there and he's like, oh, thank God you're here. I was my friend. Mm -hmm. I think she had an episode. Um, They didn't believe that. And they soon discovered, which this is what infuriates me about this story is like, not until he's in her house and the police are there. Now they're like, who is this guy? So then when they look him up at that moment, when Sylvia Matthews is in the basement of her home, unconscious, being put into uh, on a medical bed and put in the back of an ambulance, then they go, 
all right, this guy just lied to us. Who is this guy? Then they look him up. They go, wait a minute. He stalked her back in 1998 and was just released for that. Oh, man, this guy's this guy's obsessed with this lady. No shit. She told you that. Yeah. And it's been like four incidences in like since October, between October and December, he was banging on a door, had put her in a headlock and punched her in the face. Then they call. She called you twice the same morning. And now this lady is dead. You know, I don't mean to jump to jump ahead of the story, but she died. He killed her in the home, you know, and it was so many opportunities to help this lady. And I don't, I don't know how to how you help somebody who's being stalked, but like you certainly don't be so dismissive. I don't know the proper channels to go through. I don't know if the channels even exist, but this system absolutely failed. Her. So what he just beat, just head trauma? Or what was it? Yeah, he 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 beat okay. her. He 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 assaulted her very viciously in the basement, and she died from her injuries. Um, like when she arrived at the hospital, she was dead. He was arrested and taken into custody and is currently awaiting trial. Like I said, this just happened a week ago. Yeah. So I don't, I'm, I'm sure he's going to get life in prison. But I want to know for him what, like what, where's his mind at now and how do he, how does he feel? Like he went like Do you think he, I wonder if you feel accomplished or if you feel a sense of loss. I don't think, in, even, even a stalker who like, I love this person. When they get, if, if, hopefully they never do, but if they get to the person their what their outcome that they want to be will never be because they want you to be madly in love with them like yeah. you that's not going to happen so i feel like with a stalker if you're willing to go that mile of like confronting a person then it probably always is going to end violently because you're going to be faced with the reality that this person doesn't want you the way you want them and i don't know if you can accept that so i don't know if he feels if it was a violent stalking where it was like this bitch put me in jail and i'm going to get her does he feel vindicated because he got her or does he feel like i know i always i loved her and now she's uh she's dead yeah so i don't know i don't know i can't get into the mind of a star i want to know how their relationship was when they first met like what was it well he was, was a prisoner like, and she was working in the pharmacy working. at the prison so i would assume she just was probably nice to him when he would just, come and yeah, get his right, medicine right, right. or whatever you know and he took it he took it too far so like i said 71 year old sylvia matthews died from her injury shortly after arriving at the local hospital a relative of Matthews told WRC-TV that her family is devastated. They said it's, it's like the system failed us. Yeah. He should not have been on the street. Like I said, he was released two years early. I don't think that makes a difference, though. What do you mean? Him getting out two out. Two, yeah, two years two early. Years. I mean, he was going to be out at some point. He and had the a reality, motive, he, Whatever he had a goal. Yeah, two years. It's not like in those last two years, it, that's when it would have clicked. Like, you know what? Stalking is bad. Yeah. Let me stop stalking. So really the problem is... There is nothing in place to help people who are the victims of stalkers. Like, he would have got out in two years, found her probably, and this just would have happened two years down the line. So This man waited. That's the scary part. 22 years, bro. 22 years, he didn't find a new hobby. He didn't find a new somebody on TV to stalk. Something that nothing took his mind off of it. For 22 years, he was fixated on this woman. And within six months of being out, he found her and was at her door. That's scary. And so when you said the thing about her security, never, I'm sure the only security that she had was he's in jail. Yeah. And I would hope, I would hope they notified her when they released him. But Steven, still, what do you do with that information? Move. I have to now up in my life because this crazy person got out of prison and there's nothing in place, no monitoring. They don't put these people on some kind of list. You know, I don't think there's really anything in place. 
An estimated six to seven and a half million people are stalked in a one year period in the United States. Nearly one in six women and one in seven men have experienced stalking victimization at some point in their lifetime. 46% of stalking victims fear not knowing what will happen next. 29% of stalking victims fear the stalking will never stop. One in eight employed stalking victims lose time from work as a result of stalking. One in seven stalking victims move as a result of their, of their victimization. So this is a major inconvenience aside from being afraid that there's like a dangerous person lurking in the shadows. The majority of stalking victims are stalked by someone they know. Many victims are stalked by a current or former intimate partner or by an acquaintance. Like let's say you work at a bar and one of your regulars becomes a stalker of yours. Like that's also a, a lot of scenarios that have happened. People age 18 to 24 have the highest rate of stalking victimization. But Sylvia Matthews was nearly 50 when she met her stalker and future killer. So it could happen at any point. So stalkers use many tactics, including approaching the victim or showing up in places when the victim didn't want them to be there, making unwanted phone calls and text messages, watching or following the victim from a distance, or spying on them with a listening device, camera, or GPS. And Jeez. another part that wasn't in here that I feel like is probably less um, able to be put into a statistic or tracked is we live in this age of social media. Everybody's putting their location, they're geotagging their locations. They're putting their stories up of, you know, their food or whatever. And if you're a stalker, you can follow the girl, her boyfriend, her friends, and then you could put together all of their stories and go, Oh, they're at Nando's because her boyfriend put up the Perry Perry sauce. And then she put up the chicken and, Oh, okay, I'm going to just go watch them from the shadows of Nando's. And but how do you track that? You know what I mean? Like, how do you how do you put in this into a statistic of somebody surfing through all the social media, social media channels yeah. to put together your location, what you're doing, where you're at in life, who you're dating? It's crazy, man. It's, it's like we live in a time where you're readily putting your information out there. And if you have a stalker. It's that's that's terrifying. Yeah. And also we're also living in a time where the word stalker has become flexible because like what is a stalker if you aren't like I don't maybe I don't follow you literally, but I follow you on everything. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Mm -hmm. I'm watching your every move. I'm commenting on all your posts. I'm liking all your pictures like. That's kind of stalking a little bit when you think about it. So it's like you're making a generation of people who are. Virtual stalking. Yeah, yeah. It's like you you are you are like demanding for this person to be available to you all the time. And then like if they aren't, like they take a break from social media or they don't post or whatever, then you feel a uh frustration about that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like so like that's a form of stalking as well. So that's interesting. Um it's like little that's like micro stalking. You know, like, like micro influencers, that's like micro stalking. Um so less than one in three states classify stalking as a felony upon first offense. More than half of the states classify stalking as a felony upon second or subsequent offense or when the crime involves aggravating factors such as uh, possession of a deadly weapon, violating of a court order or condition of a probation or parole, or if the victim is under 16 years of age, or if the victim uh, was was a, a victim of yours in a prior occasion, which is in, in this case, yeah. I don't know what should have been done, but I know that it, it should have been taken into, it should have been taken into consideration when they arrest him at her house 
for banging on her door. She'd be like, oh, you stalked her before. You reoffended. You're going back for those two years. Yeah. I feel like at the bare, I mean, I, but I'm guessing that they, they didn't release him on probation. The um, compassionate release was probably like a full on release with no um, terms, no box, no ankle monitor, nothing like a release. So he wasn't on probation for them to reoffend him. But even so, it's like you were you were arrested for stalking her, and now you're back here. So that should yeah, he should have been arrested for that. And I don't know why he wasn't. And what I was gonna say was. When we did that like uh, town hall uh, episode where we had callers come in, mm. uh, I can't remember the lady's name right now. Um, I, I apologize, but I, I read your message. And so when I did this story, the, 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 the young lady said, hey, uh, I had a stalker. And just to let you know, I don't know if anybody said this to you, but when you were calling people and, being, and not uh, announcing who you were over the phone, that could be triggering to somebody who has had a stalker in the past. And so I, I, I thank you. I absorb that and I take that in. So I say that to say that we have listeners who may have been victims of stalkers. And I know for a fact, at least one, mm. but I know for a couple, because we were getting messages after the episode, people telling their stories, you know, and people telling real stories about, you know, encounters they've had with people and assaults and stuff. So we got a couple of stories about stalkers and that one message really stuck out to me because I, I'm just thinking like, Hey, it's surprise, you know, like it's, it's Alvin and Fran, but you know, to somebody who has been through a traumatic situation, that, that ominous voice without any identity can be terrifying. Yeah. So I'll make sure to be cognizant of that. Uh, if, and when we do another type of phone call episode again, I'll make sure we announce ourselves at the top. Um, but yeah, so that was the story of Sylvia Matthews. Very unfortunate. I don't I want to say the system failed her, but it really feels more like there just isn't a system in place to help these people. It's like basically it's like we can if we catch them in the act, we'll arrest them. But you just saying this person was outside of my house. I don't feel comfortable. These aren't enough to like press full charges. You could get a restraining order. Who knows how complicated that process is for the 70 year old lady or, you know, 48. Even she was 50, 50 ish around the time when he was arrested. It's like, I don't know. What I go to the court? Who? How do I? What do I do? I have to have proof. Like, how do I get a restraining order? How long does that take? Exactly. It's like yeah. he's coming here. He's coming to my house t- every day. Right. I don't have time to six months. You know, it's like no. I need something physical to keep him away from me today. So, yeah. I mean, the simplest way to put it is the system failed Sylvia Matthews. It's absolutely a tragic story, and you know, and prayers and condolences to anybody yeah. who's who's been a victim of a stalker or currently experiencing that. I can't even imagine. Maybe our next episode, I don't know how triggering that would be. I'd love to like hear from people that have this experience. I mean, like, I don't even know what that's like. That's terrifying. That's absolutely terrifying. It's like, what do you do? Like, I'd, I'd love to know what are the options. If, if there are many, if there aren't many, if there are many, like, what are the steps? How do you try to curb this from happening to you? I'd love to know that. So even if we don't do that as specifically, uh, the next episode when we have people call in, maybe, you know, um, reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram messages or Twitter or whatever. And let us know, like, what are the options for victims of stalkers? I'd love to know that. But um, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's Fran's turn to tell you guys some fucked up shit. So stick around. My affirmative murder this week is about the story of Javon. Javon Belcher. Javon Belcher. Javon Belcher. So the son of John Belcher and Cheryl Shepard, Belcher grew up on Long Island, New York, and attended West Babylon High School in West Babylon, New York. He wrestled and played football there under head coach Albert Ritako. 
between 2001 and 2004. He was a three-time All-American as a wrestler and played as a linebacker, offensive tackle, nose guard, and fullback on the football team. Damn. Play all the positions. Swiss Army knife. Yeah. So he was a captain of the football team for two seasons and led West Babylon to two Long Island football championship playoff appearances, although the team did not reach the title game. The team had its first undefeated regular season in 2004 when Belcher was a senior but lost in Suffolk County Championship game. The school retired his number 52 jersey, and he returned to school frequently later in his career to give pregame speeches to the team. Hometown hero. Yep. Did he go to college? Yeah, he did go to college. Though he had an accomplished high school career, was a second-team All-Long Island selection in 2004 and was named to... Named to News Newsday's list of best players of the decade for the two thousand for the two thousands, Belcher was not heavily recruited by major college football programs. Mm. So um, he attended University of Maine, and while he was attending University of Maine, he was an active member of Male Athletes Against Violence, an organization that urged jocks to speak out against abusive acts. Okay. And at that time, he possessed zero firearms. He was fourth on the team in tackles in the first two seasons and registering 58 as a freshman in 2005 and 52 as a sophomore in 2006. So uh, he went undrafted, but Belcher signed a free agent contract with the Chiefs in March of 2009. Okay. At 228 pounds, he was considered small for an inside linebacker. But made three small, starts. That's small. Yeah, <laughs> but made three starts as a rookie and played in all of the team's games. Okay. So he went. He got it. You know, he got it. He had to get it out the mud. Yeah. And like a Rudy sports. type of situation. Yeah. So he just had didn't get drafted. Wasn't highly recruited. Yeah. Had to play his ass off in university. I don't even know. That's most football players' stories, though. Nobody yeah. is Tom Brady or well, Tom Brady had a you know he was six round draft pick, but nobody is like oh every. The stars are the outliers. Most football careers last like one and a half to three years, and they're like that. Everybody isn't like, oh, I got drafted on TV, and that's the top echelon of football. Players. Yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, like, um, Clemson, Alabama. I'm talking about like, oh yeah, like he didn't go to like a you know a, a Pac-10 yes. school right. with all the the facilities. He yeah, went to yeah. like a humble, a humble, the humble. Yeah, he went to a humble school. Yeah, yeah. So again, he got drafted by the by the Chiefs. I probably so, would have finished though. If I if I if I wasn't getting if I wasn't at Alabama or something, I'd be like, I probably should get my degree. I think regardless, I probably would. Ah, uh, yeah, no. because football because football. I'm the star of the yeah, 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 uh, the rolling tie. I'm, I'm yeah, but it's it's but, but I'm football is so much more risky than any for sure. Other sport. You it can, can just be done. You can, and the, you could be on a practice squad and that'd be it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's <laughs> a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I probably well, honestly, I would never play football. But me either. Yeah, if I was, I probably would finish. Yeah. So, but what in the route in the route to finishing, you could end your career. That's how dangerous it's like. Yeah. Well, I'll just bl- I'll just do the college thing, and then once I get my degree, then I'll go to the NFL. It's like third year in the school, you could blow your knee out. Yeah, and then you don't even get to finish school either. Yeah, because I don't know if it's I don't know if football is the same as I'm sure it's the same, but like once you made that choice of like, oh, I'm going. Oh, to you it. can't go back. You can't once yeah, you, you can't like hire an agent. That's yeah, it. Yeah, you can't go back. That's, that's it. So, um. This dude played football most of his life, so yeah. obviously, you know, there's, you know, there's some some brain trauma there. But yeah. there was a couple couple times during his career where he had these undiagnosed head accidents, oh, yeah. and he just gets back up and just like 
Go play. Such a fucking brutal sport. So there was a game that stood out. There was a game when the game went as planned. The Chiefs, as always, were awful. This they were trashed then. Yeah, this, this is this is way before Patrick Patty Mahomes. Mahomes was, <laughs> he was a baby. Yeah, Patty Mahomes was like seven years old. Right. <laughs> so with five fifty seven remaining on in, um, in the fourth quarter, the Cincinnati Cincinnati Bengals leading twenty eight to six. The Bengals lined up for a second a second and two from their own thirty five yard line. Upon accepting the snap. Now, this game is over. If you know, yeah. everybody doesn't watch sports, this game is over. The Chiefs are losing. Yeah. This game is over. Um, so this is at the time, I guess, for people. This is when you try to get a spot. When you, Yeah, Make people that play. don't. Yeah, yeah, you try to do something. But, I mean, this dude was, he started a couple games. I mean, I'm, this. But it, you could get cut at the end of the season. So you want to yeah. get an interception, a, a big strip fumble. I get it. I get it. Yeah. It's like garbage time. But this is when, like in the NBA, I see it a lot where it's like, yeah, the team's up by twenty, but it's a kid that just they just they let him in because yeah. it's like over with, and he tried to go for thirty five <laughs> in six minutes. Yeah, yeah, you know, because it's like my this spot is, my is not guaranteed. I, you know, exactly. I'm trying to go to that next level, get some people talking about yeah. me. I get it, and I, I might it. not get this opportunity. Yet, yeah, so uh, yeah, so the Bengals lined up for a second and two from their own thirty five yard line. Upon accepting the snap, Dalton Andy Dalton, who was the quarterback at the, the Red Rocket at the time, yep, pitched the ball to Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. I always uh, love that name. Uh, me too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I knew I was going to say that you would. Yeah. You would know. uh, who tiptoed toward the line of scrimmage before whap, a charging belcher wrapped his arms around the running back and slammed him to the ground for no gain. Mm. While certainly violent, the play in an obvious running situation with a lopsided score was forgettable. Belcher took a minute to collect himself on the ground, mm. shook his head, mm. popped up, and returned to the huddle. That will be his last tackle of his NFL career. Something wasn't right. Javon, does that does that Javon? Javon Belcher knew it. In the days that followed the Cincinnati loss, he was he was just well, sort of off. According to friends and former teammates, there were headaches, there were forgetfulness, there mm. were rushes of emotion, anger, more anger, and even more anger. One of Belcher's teammates was tight end Kevin Boss, formerly a key member of the of the New York Giants Super Bowl um Super Bowl I don't know what fucking number that is Championship Club in the second game of the 2012 season. Boss, now this is now this is one of his friends telling, um, kind of like explaining his his experience of like having getting hit in the head and going like, I felt yeah I just was different. Myself. This is different than yeah. yeah. So in the second game of the 2012 season, Boss caught a pass, fell to the ground, and was promptly hammered in the head by Denoris Searcy, a Bill safety. He said, my skull bounced off the turf, Mm. Boss said. They told me I blacked out in the locker room. It was one of several documented concussions for Boss, and the after effects were brutal. He said, alter something in your brain and in your head where you just feel depressed and not yourself, he says. I went for about two months of living in darkness where I was grumpy, sad, and frustrated. Do you think it's like taking a screwdriver to a cookie, right? Mm-hmm. And you put all these holes in it because that's mm-hmm. what CTE is. So you put yeah. all these holes in it and so it's going to catch up to you regardless. But then you got all these holes. So now the structural integrity of the cookie is gone to shit. And then that one, because them describing it as like one big hit is like, no, it's been years of this, but so but do you think it's it can be like one massive hit can knock everything into play? Whereas like all the damage culminates 
from that one big hit, all the damage that was already there? Or do you think it could really be first time playing football, ne- never played football before, and you get obliterated, and now you have this sensation that they're talking about? No, I think, you, it's, you, I think it's way, I think it's more like a compound effect where it's just like it's been years and over years. Time, but then this big and one. Then, and then it's like. It was like the switch. Yeah. It's like over time, it's like you, it's like you wearing something down. Yeah. And then. Then it broke. After a while, it just snaps. Yeah. And then that one hit, it just, it just yeah. shit just go, just shit just go and left. You, and there's no coming back from that. Yeah. Because, I mean, again, rest in peace to Demarius Thomas. The official story is not out, but, I mean, they say he was suffering from seizures and you know, they found him dead in his house. 30, yeah, yeah, 30, yep. 33 years 33, old. 33, yeah. So it's just, a, it's just a barbaric sport, man. Yeah. It's, uh, there was a uh, shout out to my man, Big Earl. He was one of his buddies that he used to play football with. I, I wish I knew this dude's name, man. He drew, he grew up around the way that he was playing football outside. You know, uh, playing football outside is just it's it's, it's dumb. It's, it's so you, dumb. You you throwing your head into people and stuff like that, and then it's, it, this dude, you know, went for a tackle and then like he popped up and was like fine, yeah, and then passed out and then he ended up passing away. I I I'm I, as like as kids. He was scared. This just happened maybe like maybe like ten years ago. Wow! He was outside playing football. And oh then, wow! Yeah, I, Are you serious? I, yeah, I can't remember the dude's wow. name. Wow! I, I don't remember this at all. Yeah, it was. Uh, they was playing football and he died right there. He probably died at the or hospital. Or like he, but like he blacked but out. Right he there. blacked out right and there. And the ambulance he, came to the field. I think so. Like he, they, he did something during the play, and they say he popped up and was like fine. Oh man! And then a couple seconds after that, he just he fell back to the ground. Mm. Yeah, man, you can't, the head, you just, yeah, so this guy was like, uh, yeah, so he was grumpy, sad, frustrated, and he said, I wasn't myself, um, I was dark, very, very dark, so he was just in the dark, Yeah. depression, uh, it's crazy, it's, it's just, I would love to know what the brain is going through <sighs> to put people in these just like, depressed, it's like, it's just, it's just crazy. Well, your brain is like deteriorating yeah yeah so yeah. it really is like you're going mad like you're go- you're slowly losing your mind then the headaches that's one thing i hear a lot is like skull splitting and you're yeah. living with depression and all this stuff already the stuff that comes along with it and blinding headaches every day yeah all day sometimes it's just it, it sounds terrible yeah man. so i mean this dude had these headaches had the headaches and then like he had a couple more incidents where he was like just trying to sh- just shaking up, and yeah. then it wasn't documented at all. So by late 2012, um, Belcher was living with his girlfriend Cassandra Perkins and their three-month-old baby Zoe at 5401 Chrysler Avenue in Kansas City. Belcher and Perkins were introduced through Chiefs running back Jamal Charles, uh, who was a star running back at the time, mm-hmm. whose wife was a first cousin of Perkins. Perkins had also done volunteer work in the community and with the Chiefs as part of as part of its women organization, women's organization, which is a group of people of players, wives, and significant others who do charity work and run awareness campaigns. Mm-hmm. So friends stated that the couple argued frequently, including after Perkins returned home at 1 a.m. from a Trey Songs concert wow. at the Midland Theater on Bro. the night of November 30th. Throwback. <laughs> is he still making music, Trey Songs? He's doing a lot of things that we're not even going to get into. Oh, he's he's, okay, well, he's a dirty guy. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Yeah, he's a sick guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, so he was at a Trey, Trey Songz concert. Um, and but like home. he went to it without his wife. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> okay. I'm just, I'm just getting into the story now. Let's get into the story because that's crazy. Get into the story. That's crazy. 
<laughs> just go by yourself. Just going, it's like, going to a, a male R and B singer by yourself. This my, this is my, this is my jam. It's my guy right here. Like, nah, dog. <laughs> <laughs> so after the argument, Perkins. So he went to this Trey Songz concert. Comes back. <laughs> <laughs> what man? It's just, like, just like I don't know why it's making me laugh so hard. It'd be like. It's like, um, who's a hot R and B singer right now? It's like, oh, I love Khalid. I'm just gonna go to the, Khalid. I'm yeah. just gonna go to the Khalid concert by myself. I love location. I love sending me your location, <laughs> and you're not gonna bring like a tenderoni to you know hug up on and yeah. be you know do the like behind them hug thing yeah. while the R and B music. Yeah, what yeah. are you doing? Are you just, just dancing to yourself? He's a like six foot five guy, <laughs> two hundred thirty pounds, <laughs> standing over by in, in in the crowd. Oh, it makes just, you know? Jamming feels song. better than this. <laughs> no, I'm gonna say was Trey. No, I'm not gonna sing any Trey songs music. That's good. Continue. Sorry, that just I don't know why it made me laugh so. Much. You remember that video? There was a video of the song the, when LMA came out. That song and that dude was like, Oh yes, front. yes, that's him. Boot up, boot up. Oh it, man. man, yeah, no, okay, I get it. No, now <laughs> I see. Aggressively shouting R and B music at a concert is nuts. Yeah, man, that's <laughs> by yourself. That's wild. Crazy. At six five. Yes. Well, I don't know how tall he was, but he was six something, two something, something. Yeah. six something, two something, yeah. and you're like neighbors know my name. <laughs> Crazy. So after the argument, Perkins went to the Power and Light District, an entertainment area by Midland and Sprite Center in downtown Kansas City. He was also at the Power and Light District with a different woman. Okay. Okay. Brittany Glass. Okay. Who he was dating for a while. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Yep. She told police. Um, Belcher sent her a text. Now, this is, I'm not saying this is the same night. This is just, um, I guess she did an interview with the police after the incident I'm going to get into. Happened. Okay. She said, she told the police Belcher sent her a text several months ago in which he said he would shoot Perkins if she did not leave him alone. And that Perkins had threatened to take all of Belcher's money and his child if they were split up. Mm. So Glass told police she had parted with Belcher at her apartment on East Armour Boulevard and at Tango Cantina, a bar in a power and light district in downtown Kansas City on the night of November 11th until around 1 a.m. Is that the night of the concert? He went to the concert, came home, got into an argument, went back out. What I was hoping you would say is he texted his side girlfriend to be like, man, that Trey Songz concert was so fun. No. So we still don't have confirmation that he went to the concert with his he side had girlfriend. To. He had to. Yeah, I, I figured. But when you said he sent her a text message, I was like, please say, please say no, that no, he said, no, no. man, I had so much fun at that Trey Songz concert. Well, I'm, coming, I'm coming to your house Yeah, that's, that's why I said the text message. It wasn't on that night. That was just something. That was a different thing. Was, was an he, definitely that, yeah, yeah. The, he definitely went to the Trey Songz concert with his side And he went home, got girlfriend. an argument, went back out with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So after losing. God, him being at the concert alone is so much better. <laughs> So after losing the woman in the crowd, Belcher drove to her apartment, but she was not home at the time. So police found him there at 2.50 a.m. I mean, it's late as shit. Yeah. 2.50 a.m. I mean, you have a whole ass family. Just go home. to bed, man. Uh, so he found, police found him at two, there at 2.50 a.m. after receiving a 911 call from a suspicious person in a parked car on Armour Boulevard. He told police he was waiting for his girlfriend and forgot the code to her apartment. Mm-hmm. So the police discussed a temporary tags on his car and urged him to go inside the building, saying that they were trying to cut him a break. Mm. Belcher did not smell of alcohol and was not slurring his words, police said. So unable to reach glass, two women living in a different apartment allowed Belcher to sleep on their couch. 
crazy. Football privilege, man. But he's a he's not a but he's not a basketball. It's different between a basketball player and a football player because you see everybody face. looks the same on a football field. Yeah. You can you can Yeah, but like I'm pick, sure I'm sure they know the girl and know she's dating a Kansas City Chief. I just can't see yeah, any guess, other world where I it's guess. like, yeah, come on in and sleep on our couch, stranger person. You know what I'm saying? Like I, that sounds crazy to me. I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know. Still think it's Maybe weird. they're just nice people. I don't know. I don't mean to be judgmental. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, the two women living in an apartment allowed Belcher to sleep on their couch. The women uh, woke Belcher up at 6.30 a.m. He left 15 minutes later. They told police. So Belcher was with Glass, not Perkins, on the final night of Belcher's life. Mm. So Belcher returned home between 6.30 a.m. and 7 a.m. Had another argument with Perkin, Perkins. At about 6.30 in the morning? In Early morning, yeah, man. He been out. What you? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. waiting. Trying She's... to climb in bed and yeah, just go man. to sleep. Nah, yeah, hell no. Yeah. yeah. She home taking care of a three month old yeah, child yeah, all night. Yeah, no, nah. never mind. She was yeah, gonna okay. let have ass had it yeah, as soon as yeah. he got in the house. So Belcher returned home between six thirty a.m. and seven a.m. and had another argument with Perkins about going to the club or partying. In the ensuing argument, Belcher pulled out a handgun and murdered Perkins in front of his mother, Cheryl Cheryl Shepard. Mm. Police arrived at the scene, I mean, at the house at around 7.50 a.m. Following a call from Shepard, who had recently moved there from West Babylon, New York, to help take care to, of the baby. To help the couple take care of the baby Zoe. Yeah. The baby was, now they had the 911 call. I didn't listen to the 911 call. Not really, I don't really listen to those. Yeah. So the baby was heard crying in the background when, uh. when the Belcher's mother phoned police. A 22 year old Perkins had been shot in the neck, mm. chest, abdomen, hip. Oh, back, shot her a bunch of times. Leg and hand. A total of nine times. Oh, wow. Uh, so police declared uh, Miss Perkins dead at a nearby hospital. Investigators found eight spent shell casings and three spent bullet fragments in the bathroom and a black handgun on the vanity. The coroner found four bullets lodged in the Perkins body. Mm. There were also bullets, there were also bullet holes on the floor near the bathroom tub. And a spent bullet found in the basement. So one of them must have just went through the, went through the floor. Yeah. Shepard was hysterical when police arrived, and told two officers that she believed Belcher was going to commit suicide. Mm. So as medical personnel attended to Perkins, Shepard overheard um, on the police on the officer's radio that someone was armed with a gun at the sh- at the Chiefs practice facility. Oh, get the fuck out of here! Yeah, man. After murdering Perkins, Belcher drove his 2007 Bentley Continental GT about five miles to the parking lot of the Chiefs practice facility near the Arrowhead Stadium. He stepped out of the car with a gun pointed to his head mm. when he encountered, encountered Chiefs general manager Scott Pioli. Belcher told Pioli that he just that he had just murdered his girlfriend mm. and thanked him before asking for Pioli and Chiefs owner Clark Hunt to take care of his daughter. Oh, wow. So Pioli tried to persuade Belcher to drop the gun. Chiefs head coach at the time, Romeo Cornell, along with linebackers, linebackers coach Gary Gibbs, arrived and joined the effort. Coach Cornell told Belcher, with his hands up, you're taking the easy way out. Police had been dispatched to the scene at 8.01 a.m. As the sounds of sirens approached, Belcher told the men that I got to go. I can't be here. Despite their pleas, he knelt down by a car, made a sign of made a sign of the cross, and shot himself point blank in the head. Oh my god! 
A photograph from the scene showed Perkins' blood smeared all over the chrome gear shift of Belcher's vehicle and as well as broken glass on the dashboard. On January 14, 2013, the Jackson County Medical Examiner Office released autopsy reports showing that Belcher had a blood alcohol content of 0.17, more than double the legal driving limit in Missouri. But it's, that's high, but like... Then it's not like, oh, he did this because of that. Yeah, but he did get pulled over. Oh, that way back. Way before. Football privilege. Crazy. Well, listen, man, we recognize you. You know, we see you have the Chiefs uh, license plate around the thing. Yeah. Can I get an autograph? Yeah, 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 that kind of thing. Yeah, I can yeah. get an autograph. Like, oh, yeah, he was fine. Yeah, he, he, was, was he was good. Nothing. We told him to go right home, <laughs> and he what? was good. <laughs> yeah, you know. Crazy. Trey Songs. What? Hey, man, look, just get home and, hey, uh, get a couple tackles hey, on Sunday. Hey, yep. It was yeah, like a Friday night, so they had a game like, yeah. the next day. Yeah. Um, the Chiefs had a game scheduled at Arrowhead against the, all, the also-struggling Carolina Panthers the day after the murder-suicide. The game went on as scheduled following the discussions between the NFL, Cornell, and the Chiefs team captains. No formal mention was made of the shooting at the game. Mm. But, I mean, like, imagine. Like at the facility. Imagine the the coach has got to the coach, yeah. the owner. The day before, yeah. It's like you got to get your head back into football That's after crazy. seeing somebody con- con- kill themselves in front of you. That's crazy. insane. Man. Yeah. So nothing was mentioned. No mentions were made of, of the shooting at the game, although there was a moment of silence for victims of domestic violence and their families. The uh-huh. Chiefs defeated the Panthers twenty-seven to twenty-one. Belcher was suffering from chronic traumatic. Encephalopathy. Encephalopathy, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time, which CTE, at the time of his death, according to medical reports. A service for Belcher was held on December 5th at the Landmark International Deliverance and Worship Center, just southwest um, of, the Arrow, of the Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs practice was scheduled around the event. Pioli and one of the Belcher's uncles spoke um, at the closed service. A funeral for Perkins took place the following day at the Ridgeway Family Fellowship in Blue Ridge, Texas. Mm. And another service was held December 8th in Austin, Texas, where her, where her father lives, um, and Perkins was buried in Texas. So police revealed that the gun, the handgun Belcher used to kill his girlfriend was a different handgun than the one he used to take his own life. Now, earlier in my story, I said that, you know, when he was in University of Maine, he was a part of this, this organization of, you know. Wet wags or what, men, men against, me? men against, that's something else. Oh, okay. Men against violence, right? Abuse of violence or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they said that he didn't own any guns at that time. So that changed. But not, yeah, that changed. And he owned like eight guns. He owned a lot of guns. Uh, so he had a different gun than the one he used on himself. So Belcher had other guns in his house, some of which he would use at his shooting range. So, I mean, that gives just a hobby, yeah. I guess. But also um, what's interesting, well, well, yeah, Kansas City probably is a place where it's not like a ton to do. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you pick up a hobby. But also what's also possible is from watching um, – I think it's Beyond the Ring, whatever the the wrestling docu series is that they have about all the wrestlers, the Chris Benoit episode that I watched, and um, the Aaron Hernandez docu, like people who have had CTE who have gone on to commit murders and crimes. There's a paranoia to that to CTE. Mm. You know, there's a there's like a a mania to it. Yeah, and so that could even play a role. Why you like, let me arm up. I'm, people might be after me. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, there's this there's this paranoia that comes with it. Yeah, that's crazy. You, you know, because I mean, your brain is. Turning against you. Yeah. So you start thinking all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he did have, he would use at a shooting range, and they were all legally owned. Uh, the day after the shooting, NBC broadcaster Bob Costas, quoting Jason Whitlock, who who caught some slack, 
which I I can't I really can't stand this dude anyway. Yeah, he's a clown. Um, he's said a, that he's a potato in a suit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Said during a segment of Sunday Night Football that in the coming days, Javon Belcher's actions and their possible connections to football will be analyzed. Who knows? But here, wrote Jason Woodlock, is what I believe. If Javon Belcher didn't possess a gun, he and Cassandra Perkins would both be alive today. The comments prompt criticism and support from both sides of the gun control issue. Yeah, I don't, and I also don't feel like Jason Whitlock keeps that same energy from story to story about gun violence. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like that's been a consistent because that's that's a, I mean, that's a great way to pivot off of CTE, mm-hmm. but then you better keep that same energy. It's like, well, yeah, no, the gun is the problem, not the person. I hope that he said that consistently every time, and I don't, right. I don't feel like he has. Yeah, I also don't listen to him anyway. Who wears a fedora? It's twenty twenty one. Can't stand him. Yeah, so Belcher was buried on December 12th at the North Babylon Cemetery in North Babylon, New York, following an open casket funeral at an upper room Christian church in Dix Hills, New York. The hearse passed his childhood home in West Babylon en route to the cemetery. Mm. So Belcher's body was exhumed one year after his death, and his brain was examined two weeks later. But he shot himself in the head, right? Yeah. So Kozlowski was hired to diagnose the brain by court-appointed Kansas City attorneys who represent the interests um, of Belcher's daughter and Belcher's mother, Cheryl Shepard, initiated the process of exhuming her son's body to have his brain studied. So Vendever um, declined to comment about why his law firm released Koslowski's findings now, almost nine months after the diagnosis. Outside the lines, requested copies of images of Belcher's brain to send to another neuropathologist for independent analysis, but the request was denied. The neurosurgeon, Dr. Julian Bales, chairman of the Department of Neurosurgery and co-director of the North Shore Neurological Institution in Chicago, did not study Belch's brain, but said of possible findings. It is of great interest. Violence against others is not typically part of the CTE picture, Mm. but it but it is. But it it was in this case, a former professional wrestler, Chris Benoit. It would be nice to have these findings corroborated. If correct, they're very compelling. For sure. So he said, if it can be shown that Belcher did have CTE, Belcher's daughter and mother together would, would be eligible for up to $4 million under the proposed concussion settlement between the NFL and former players. Furthermore, the lawyers representing Belcher's daughter have filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the Chiefs on her behalf. Belcher's mother, with a different attorney, Filed almost identical suit. So wrongful death in the sense that he got CTE from playing with the Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, that and um, that, well, his mom went on to say that just in, just in the NFL in general, that these organizations cater to when they get injured. When they get injured, yeah. we need to do more. Be on them around the clock so we can get them back on the field. I agree with that. But when it's a concussion, it's like, Get back out there. That's not take Tylenol and oh, yeah, and a, go. A, a, a game off or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And w- w- that's interesting because that's such a like. I've had this discussion with people. I'm really, you know, I used to love football, man. I used to like me too. I used to love football, and really, yeah. once that movie Concussion came out, and then I started learning about CTE, and then you hear this, you know, it's like we always knew about Junior Seau. Like yeah. it was always this story you heard about. He was great at football, and then he shot himself in the chest or whatever. You hear, I've heard it in raps. But then when you really understand, when you understand what CTE is and then you understand what he was going through, it's like, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to watch the game now. Yeah. I don't have a, I really see it for how barbaric it is now. And I can't unsee it. 
you know, you see good plays and stuff, a good run or whatever. But when yeah. you see like, I used to love seeing like a good hit, put somebody on their yeah, ass or whatever. And now I'm like, that that dude just got brain damage. Yeah. I see I, it every time. Because it was a, when that mo- it was a movie, right? The movie came yeah, out. Will Smith. And when they started, when they started trying to like. Be, um, be, be, they tried cover to, themselves? It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's when I was like, oh. You can see it. Like they're like, we're going to start addressing it, but like in our own way. We're not going to yeah. own up to it, but we're going to be like, we're changing the helmets a little bit or yeah. whatever. And it's like. The reality is the sport itself is just barbaric. So no matter how many rules you change or whatever, it's still at its core, it's a barbaric game unless you just make it flag football. And nobody wants to watch that. that. So for it to be what it is, it has to be barbaric and people have to get injured. And that's just the name of the game. Like I said, Demaryius Thomas, 33 years old, man. Marshawn Lynch, my favorite football player. His one of his last games as a he he came back and played for the Oakland Raiders because he's from Oakland. And he was like, he did this like press conference from the booth and was like, look, take care of your money. Yep. You know, make sure everything, cut, take care of your chickens. chicken. Yeah. 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 Bay Area. <laughs> uh, so, but he was like, cause a lot of us aren't living yeah. that long after this. And that's such a crazy reality. But what it is, is like at this point, the information is out there at least somewhat. Yeah. So really, if you're continuing to play football, you're making a, an agreement with yourself and your family to say, hey, listen, I'm trying to take us out of this situation. I'm trying to change our lives. Yeah. And I'm willing to put my body on the line to do that. And Marshall that's smart. The, Marshall, Lynch, Marshall Lynch is very yeah. smart. Never spent Take any a break. Of his, oh, man. Yeah. I, I could talk about Marshall Lynch for Absolutely. hours. Absolutely. Love that guy. But you're saying to yourself and to the world, I feel like, now that the information is out there, that I'm willing to take the risk. Yeah. And I just hope that that risk how much that what level that risk is is now being told to them openly and honestly because you could go hey man i don't know my head will hurt when i'm 40 that's cool i need to i'm trying to change my lives my i could change my family's life for the next several generations from playing football from six for six years so i'm willing to take the risk but it's like if you don't really know what that risk is are you but i think that now it is so i'm conflicted on the idea that this can happen to this young man yeah whether they can prove that it was CTE or or not, I don't, I don't know, you know, or if it was domestic violence. But based on his track record, I would say he went from being a guy who was like, I'm the voice of not being in domestic violence relationships to shooting his wife nine times. You know, I'm sure CTE might have played a role in it. Yeah. So but it's like, but nobody made him play football. You yeah, know what man. I mean? Like, I don't know. I'm conflicted by that. Because like at this point, if we're going, yeah, uh, the NFL now, if you get CTE, you can sue the NFL. It's like, but, but we all know CTE is a thing now. So you're, it's you're agreeing to play. It's now I agree the NFL is making billions and billions of dollars. So there should be health insurance or something for retired players. That's a different conversation though than being like the NFL is culpable if, you know, somebody resulting from CTE does something to themselves or whatever. It's like I don't know because like I feel like they knew that and they still played. So yeah. That's a tough one. I don't know. Yeah. What, what do you think? Yeah, but the thing about football is, I mean, like, like you said, football is one of my favorite sports. I played when I was young, and it was just like, I was skinny, so I was, I was, I was fortunate to be faster than everybody. But still, you know, getting hit, I was like, yeah, this ain't. This ain't I don't like that part. Of I it. like basketball way better <laughs> anyway. So it's like, but the thing about this is, like, football. I I think basketball starting to surpass football slowly. Mm-hmm. Um. But football doesn't; they don't have guaranteed money, and that's the that's the craziest part. For to it me. to be that violent, it's that's wild. Yeah, it's like that's oh, if you break your leg and you can't play, then you don't get your check, and we we'll, we can cut you from the team. That's wild. Yeah, I'm out here throwing my body around and get rid of my leg broke, and I'm not getting guaranteed money. Yeah, nah, man, I don't. 
I'm not with that. But I do agree. Uh, I think at this point you are making the choice where it's like, okay, I know. It's not a secret anymore. Yeah, yeah. You I know? know the risk. In 20 life. years ago, sure, there was a secret. People were being like, yeah, man, I just retired from football five years ago. And my head hurts every day. I'm right. having these weird thoughts. They don't have a name for it. People aren't, aren't aware. Yeah. But at this point in 2021, and now this story is not from, this is from like. 2012. Yeah, so, but it was known. Yeah. CTE was, it wasn't as known, but it was, the it conversation was, was hidden. The conversation was there. It was hidden. Yeah, so, I don't know, to be like, uh, what's the responsibility of the NFL at this point? Yeah. I do agree that like, there should be absolutely, I mean, they're not even giving guaranteed contracts, so the idea that they're going to f- make some kind of infrastructure of post-career health insurance I don't know when that's coming, but I would hope so soon because they make a lot of money off these people. Yeah. But I agree that that should be a thing. But the idea that you can sue them because your your child's brain is messed up and they did something to themselves or somebody else is like, I don't know, man, because they kind of nobody made them play football. And and if you're talking about the last decade, everybody knows what CTE is. Yeah, Yeah. There's not a person playing football in this time who doesn't know what CTE is. But one of his closest friends was like, he always had injuries, but he just was, was like, Playing just through. didn't complain. Just yeah. whatever, just went on about his business. Yeah, so uh, among the allegations contained in the lawsuit is that Belcher was not unconscious during a game against the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2009 mm-hmm. and did not receive adequate treatment. Mm, okay, okay. So the lawsuits also also referred to a November 2012 game against the Cincinnati Bengals, with, which I went over already. Yeah. When the lawsuit al- alleged that Belcher suffered from should have been recognized as an acute concussion. Mm. However, one of the lawsuits continues, despite ex- exhibiting obvious symptom- symptoms, descendant was never removed from play mm. for a violation of government. Like, they, this play, man. Play through it. We need you out there. This, need you out there. That's cr- but he's woozy or whatever. Woozy like, you and, should be taking out you go out, out there and, take another, and do another hit. Yeah. What's interesting is, you know, I, I watched My 600-Pound Life. It's one of my favorites. Mm. I was watching My 600-Pound Life, and one of the guys on there was, like, an outside lineman. Mm. And he was a big guy, real big guy. And he went, he got a scholarship, everything. Life was going well. He got a concussion in one game. And then the next game he played, he got a concussion. And he, they, he was done, which I've never even heard of. I'm, I'm assuming he wasn't the first person to, for it to happen to, but I've never heard of that. He got two com- severe concussions in a row, and so his career was over. The doctor was like, you can't play football anymore. So that's the sport we're talking about, man. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it, and then you, when you're in the trenches with that, that, you know, when you're a lineman, you're banging heads all, that's what you do. Yeah. You come off the line and you're throwing your head up into somebody's other, their head. So he got two concussions in a row and they were like, you're Jesus. done. This yeah. is a college, college level. Your career is over. So yeah, man, the brain is nothing to be played around with. Yeah. And once you fuck it up, it's no fixing it. Right. It's not a broken leg. Like, it doesn't heal. At least not yet, anyway. I'm, I'm assuming there's people probably working on something like that. But the brain is complicated. It doesn't heal like a bone. Yeah. So the lawsuit also claims Belcher exhibited signs um, of CTE, including changes in his mood and behavior. The NFL has a long history of changing the rules of the game to make it safer on the field, providing players with, players with the best medical care and updating protocols and diagnosing concussions. Treating concussions and returning to play after a concussion, the league said in the statement. So, I mean, now they changed the rules, obviously. It's like, you can't leave with your head and yeah. stuff like that. And if you get into, like, a some crazy hit or whatever, they take you back yeah. to the concussion protocol or whatever. Then if you pass the test, you can go back and play. If not, then 
You got to sit right. out a couple of days. But 10 years ago or around this time, it was oh, like, hey, yeah. man, get back out there. I'm or, aspirin. Yeah. You take your ass back out there. Yeah, or they do like a smelling salt type of thing, like really wake you up with some of those, snap that thing underneath mm-hmm. your nose and just get, you, get your adrenaline going and put you back out there. But also, I understand now that you're saying it like that, I understand how you could sue the NFL because you go, he should have been taken out of the game. He shouldn't be playing yeah. still. But like that person, he wants his game check. Yeah. So it's you know I understand you got to save was, somebody from themselves, but yeah. like if they if they put on the front of at least before pr- c- concussion protocols as they stand today, right? If you get up and you go, I'm good, I'm coach. Good. I'm like, put me back in the game. It's like, yeah. you know. But that's what I'm saying. This is before it even was like a thing. Where yeah. It's like we got to come back and there's rules the and stuff. Yeah, yeah. This is before that. So the NFL said it has funded 161 million in CTE and related uh, research projects, including a 30 million dollar grant to the National Institution of Health. In 2012, so this was this was the this same was, year this shit happened. It this is like the catalyst, and they, probably. And it was just like, oh, we gotta yeah do clean this up. We gotta do, this is PR. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get ahead of this. Yep. So that was my story of Javon Belcher, um, CTE man. This this shit that shit is real. Like that shit is no. It's deal. not going anywhere because like even with those rule changes, if you get you catch a ball at its highest point, you get hit at the waist, and yeah. then you fall and bang your head against the turf. Yeah. Nobody helmet to helmet at you. There's no flag coming out, but your head just it's still bounced off the ground. Yeah. You know? So we're gonna hear more stories like this. This is not gonna go away. And I and and I don't think football is gonna go away. It's yeah. ingrained in American society and, and culture. I think the, so. the the best case, you know, these stories, these stories are are tragic and horrible. Yeah. But I mean like Muhammad Ali, for yes. example. That's, that's the best the, case. That's the best You're case. You're just uh, suffering in your age. As you get older, your brain deteriorates early. You forget who your family is. I yeah. mean, it's basically like people going, getting on early onset dementia is basically, but like worse, yeah. CTE. I mean, you you don't know who people are. You, 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 you like, you're, you're, your mind is turning against you at 35, 36 years old, yeah. 40 years old, the headaches, everything. So best case scenario is you suffer for years and you commit suicide possibly, you know, yeah. to get away from the pain of it all. That's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is that your violence projects onto somebody else, which yeah. we've seen stories of. So I don't know, man. It's, and it, it's like, like we keep saying uh, it's talked about now. They have changed the rules and stuff. But the NFL has still managed to – it's not a big conversation. It's like we all know it's a thing, but the, the games are still on. You know, they have their little PSAs and stuff that they have or well, whatever. They change the rules a little bit. But it's still it's still like they've managed to still be the NFL well, through this because, thing where you're I, like, people are hurt. They're getting hurt. I think it's because of what you said. Like, now it's like the information is out there. Yeah, so if you play, it's, it's on it's you. Just, it's just you now. It's all on you. Damn. Yeah. And if you're in Terrell, Texas right now and you live in a shack and you're looking at your mom and you guys don't have dinner tonight and you go, I can run a 4240. Yeah. It's like, I'm playing football. Play, I got to. Man. I got to change my family's life. Get your money and then, I don't know, quit, I guess. But isn't that, I don't know, because it's, it's hard. This is another, this is another part where the, the conversation gets sick with, because when they start comparing sports to slavery and stuff, it's like they're making millions of dollars. So it's not, it's hard to do the woe is me, the system is is um lopsided, it's manipulative, but like it kind of is. they're making because, double, the, the owners are making. Yes, oh, absolutely. Double, triple, whatever the, what the most, whatever the richest, <laughs> whatever the richest football player is, the, yeah. the team that that employs him is making 30 times what just the numbers are bigger that's all yes so they have to make more money but my point is like i would say at least 65 percent at least i feel comfortable saying that i'm making it up football and basketball for sure are kids from poverty yeah from the mud like from the inner city streets from all across this country and 
there's some dude with a check waving in front of your face like, hey, man, if you dedicate yourself to this enough and you're 6'5 and you come to the combine and you can jump and smack the sticks and you we measure your arms out and stuff, we'll give you a whole bunch of money to play our sport. Yeah. And it's like, how do you turn that down? Basketball is a whole different thing because there's no real risk to playing basketball yeah. other than like just the same, any risk you get from playing sports, ankle, injury, ACL, whatever. But football is like this real injury that is a long-term problem yeah and but you still that 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 carrot is still dangling where it's like yeah no i read that they made they made us watch a documentary in high school about cte but like patrick mahomes just got a two what did he get half a billion yeah, dollars he's a, he's a quarterback yeah sure but i'm just saying as a football as a football player yeah you know it's it's a I'm it's not jj same. watt got it's a bunch like, of money too at same, some point though. it's not yeah no yeah no quarterbacks can walk point. away from the game yeah Without any severe, pro- yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Brady's almost fifty years. Yeah, old. <laughs> having a great time, having a ball. Quarter, I'm, I bet people, low key, other football players probably hate the, the quarterback. They don't but he's also no the, he's also the leader, so it's, it's I have the block for you. Yeah, I got to bang my skull against this guy to keep you your jersey clean. Crazy. Yeah. So it's that's complicated. Yeah. So so that was a bad example. But like Ray Lewis made a lot of money. There's yeah. other there's like people who are in the trenches, like running backs. Running yes, backs, running backs get banged up two three years at max. At if you're lucky, <laughs> that's why they're trying to, you know, pay me now. Yes. So it's like okay. a, it's, it's a revolving door, but it's never going to stop because that carrot is right there. It's like if I get to the NFL, my family's six million dollars. If yeah. I play for two years and make six million dollars, that's more money than my family's this ever dude got seen. like one point five million changes, changes family's life. You know, I say that to say that my kid will never play football. Absolutely. Not. I will never let my kid touch a football field. It's. I, I still respect the game. They're some of the most like incredible athletes I've ever seen, but it's just as simply a barbaric and brutal sport at its core. There's nothing to be done about it. There's no rule changes that can be made other than to f- fundamentally change what the sport is. Yeah. It, at its core is a violent sport that is going to lead to injuries like this because at any point you could bang your head against anything and the CTE process starts. So, yeah, man, it, that shit is... It really changed my whole feelings about the game. Yeah, I absolutely. used to love football. I didn't like it. When we were they, big into fantasy football a few years. Yeah, back. I didn't like it. I didn't like it when they when they tried to like hide it. Was that's when I was like, oh, I'm not. Yeah, I don't know. Nah, I'm not with this. I'm not. That's that's not cool. That that movie came out and it was just like, oh, we gotta try to backtrack. So it was like, yeah, oh no, nah, y'all been trying to hide this. Yeah, I didn't want this to get out. They at knew all. about this. They knew about this. Oh for yeah. Years. yeah, they didn't want to get it. And I was. I like, mean, I don't even remember when did your junior say I'll do that. That was twenty. That was like that twenty was years ago, ago. You know, yeah, like. Yeah. He did that. At least the word, the 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 story that you hear is like he wanted them to study his brain. That's what you hear. Yeah. That's why he shot himself in the chest. And that was like twenty years ago. So they knew. They knew something was grumbling. They heard the stories about these football players ended up homeless and being crazy and whatever. They knew. Can't let that and get then, out. And then it started to. They couldn't <clears throat> suppress it anymore. Yeah. Then Will Smith came with that shitty South African accent and was like, <laughs> "This is C A T E." Yeah. I am not with Smith. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm, 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 no, I'm good. Yeah. It really was like, I, it really made me, you know, it's, it's like, um, my mom can't watch UFC. Mm. She's just like, I just, it's barbaric. Yeah. And there's been a couple of fights that I've seen. Cause not every fight is like blood everywhere. And the, you know, sometimes they, those fights happen Yeah, where they cut the dude open blood and everywhere. every, your, your blood's on me. My yeah. blood. Whenever I see those fights, that's when I go. Feist? 
Oh yeah, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That was, that was spice. It was coming out of the South African. I've been drinking. I've been drinking. Uh, I, I made it. I made it far into the podcast right. without having to slip, though. Uh, yeah, I went day drinking. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a, when you watch the fights. When you watch the fights, right. the football fights. The characters. The football fights. Uh, when you watch the fights, when those kind of fights happen, those are the moments when I go, "Oh, man, I'm gonna cut this off." Like when it gets barbaric like that, yeah. Or when somebody does an arm bar and the arm snap, yeah. Or even goes too far, hyper yeah. extends. I'm yeah. like, ah, I'm out. Like I like a good combat. I like a I like a good you know physical sport. But because like I said, I watch football highlights. Like yeah. oh, a hundred yard kick return. Yeah. But when you're watching the game, you see somebody get like laid out. Those are the moments where I go, you're not paying I'm attention. Not. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Oh, I'm not. I don't like this. And really learning about what CT is is what did that for me. It's like I I don't it it's not exciting anymore. It's like I I think about his life. Yeah, it's a good story. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, uh, well, let's go ahead and get into these good vibes because that really um that shit bumps me out. Welcome back. It's time for our good vibes segment. Speaking of football, uh, my good vibe this week is um, Tom Brady FaceTimes with a high school team after they dialed the wrong number. They accidentally dialed his? Oh, they dialed. Yeah, yeah. So in one of the most serendipitous mistakes ever made, the entering of a friend's phone number incorrectly in a group text inadvertently connected a Michigan high school basketball team with with all-time GOAT and quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady. So he just I all, mean, the odds are that like a seven was, you put a seven instead of a four and you yeah. accidentally called Tom Brady? Yeah. Well, it wasn't actually, it wasn't really just, it wasn't Tom Brady's phone. It was just. Okay. He ended up on the phone though. But he was in the vicinity. Yeah, but it wasn't his phone though. Got it. Okay. Because I was about to say, uh, ha ha ha, but that phone got destroyed so quick after he was like, oh, they accidentally, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Igor, some whoever dude is just Igor. around him who has a gun on him. Like, break this and get me a new phone. <laughs> Uh, so it wasn't his phone. It wasn't his phone, no. So it started when the freshman basketball team at Nor- uh, Notre Dame Prep in Michigan made a group text to coordinate practices, and teammate Vinny accidentally added the number of added the number of Bucks cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting. Mm. We were trying to add people, and the last person was Luca, but I was one digit off. Mm. That's crazy. P. Jason uh, Wallen, a school counselor at Notre Dame. Um, whose son is on the team documented the story on Twitter. So obviously needing to prove his identity to the disbelieving teenager, Murphy Bunting switched on over to FaceTime and introduced the presumptly shocked students to some of his teammates, including tight end Rob Gronkowski. The Gronk? Yeah, and running back Leonard Fournette. So Leonard Fournette walked us through the locker room and showed us all the players. Um, said said, uh, one of the teammates... Uh, so Sean Murphy, Bunting, Mike Evans, Levante Davis, Gronk, Richard Sherman. That's when we all said, "Where's Damn, the goat? Richard Sherman is on the is on the Bucks, huh? Yeah. Where's the goat? He's like, "Fuck all those." Yeah, people. yeah, that's cool. Where's Tom? Hey, Brady? Richard Sherman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's the goat? Yeah. <laughs> so it would it would it would be Fortnite who then turned the phone over to Tom Brady, um, a Michigan alumni himself. That's sweet, Brady told CNN of the meeting. I didn't know who it was. <laughs> Leonard said. Here's my boy, or whatever he said. It was nice. <laughs> I don't listen to any of them. You know it was a walk, too. He's like, oh, yeah, he's in his uh, special goat room. You yeah. know, he doesn't like, you know, he wasn't just on the bench next to everybody else. Right. He was in some special room. 
say so said hey uh hey homie he said, <laughs> yeah my boy hey homie uh, what's up my yeah what's up my dog uh, whatever whatever he said uh so he gave me the phone so it was nice it would have it would have been nice for me when i have been it would have been nice for me too um when i had been in high school as well so the reporter who would inform the seven time super bowl winner that the boys were from michigan even better he said that was fun that was really fun it was really good to see all those young kids hyped so there's a video that's on Twitter of, you know, of the whole thing. But all these little kids just oh, stoked. Man. Like, oh, what? Tom Brady Gronk. I mean, that's that's crazy. That's fucking wild. Yeah. But uh, TB12 on the FaceTime. Wow. The dude is having who's had a better year at like 45 playing sports. Any That whole sentence is crazy in general. But like he's playing football still in his 40s. Top of his game. The, the odds of uh, the Super Bowl being the Patriots and the Buccaneers have gone up significantly because the Patriots have been on a win streak. Yep. You want to talk about a legendary storyline. That'd be crazy. That would be wild. And this yep. man is like 44 years old. Still playing. Still playing. Still and, and, and having some of the most like viral and he's he's bigger than he's ever been. Commercials kinda. and shit. Yeah, it's like he's bigger than he's ever been kind of. It's, it's really weird. Like Let's weird. Go is his thing now, even though that's yeah. been around for a while. He's now. always putting like a rap video. After a win, he'll play like a like a little baby song. And he then, did. yeah, wow. he's like, he he's killing it on social media and stuff. And it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. But I'm sure that's a, probably a reason a lot of other football players are like, fuck this dude, man. He used to be 45 and still play football. Still play his football. brain works. Like there's dudes who like, I was a middle linebacker. I'm 44, and he's I'm 40, my brain is like he's it's 45. Soup. He's a like an eight seven time champion, seven time champion. still playing football at a high level. It's good looking. Yeah, has a a model wife who made more than him, <laughs> or might still be making Crazy. more than him. At least at her peak, she was making more money than him. Winners are winners. I can't you know I can't hate on the guy for being a winner, but damn, that's a lot. It's like damn, give us the world something. Can I, can we get some of that luck? Everything just lined up. It. It's win. It's wins on top of wins. Aren't you sick of winning? He's like, remember uh, uh, the last uh, the last dance? Michael Jordan was like, I'll play anybody in anything. Yeah. And I'm here to my I'm Michael Jordan, and I'm trying to take that five dollars out of your pocket, security guard. Yeah. Because I want to beat everybody. It's not like, oh, you got me. Oh, you beat me. It's like, no. If I play you in something, I'm, I'm gonna to win. win. I'm trying to win. It's like, damn man, can I just have a story where I beat Michael Jordan in the yeah. game of uh, I Declare War? No. I'm trying to win. Yes. There was a there's a video of him like if you like hey Mike if you miss a shot everybody get all the kids get shoes <laughs> and he was he just Man, made all fuck the shots kids. fuck those kids like, damn free you think I'm gonna give all the you think I'm gonna lose to all these kids nobody's getting shoes and the last shot I shot it with my eyes closed because fuck everybody in here I win disrespectful it's like boo damn, <laughs> all, the, all the kids are like boo I hate you Michael Jordan he's yeah. like I love it yes I win owned all of you it's like, he's a sick guy but you got to have a brain like that to be a win, to, wild, to be at the top level you got to have a brain like that that's why people hate on LeBron James because he's a guy that's like hey man you know I tried and I lost and that's cool people want you people want him to be like angry about it hey man listen my I life's am. great i'm lebron james right. like, what? I'm not <laughs> it's a basketball game not let this, me go get into my spaceship car that oh, there's only three that exist uh it sucks but better luck next year like come on man you gotta get out of here with that man if i was lebron james you want me to be mad hey are you heartbroken about the games like, if my kids are beautiful my son's coming to the league like no i'm not it's a game i'll be back next year crazy that's not passion. Oh, I guess not. Whatever. You know what I'm passionate I'm about? The jet. <laughs> the jets I, getting fueled up. I will go home into my infinity pool <laughs> and have a drink while you go and do, you know, go talk about me. <laughs> anyway, man, my good vibe story is about, um, it's a quick story. It's a lovely story about a Dunkin' Donuts customer who gave back to an employee 
in such an amazing way because of some quality customer service. So a Dunkin' Donuts employee in Ohio recently received a huge surprise from one of her loyal customers, a fully furnished home. Mm. Employee Ebony Johnson met customer Suzanne Burke at the drive-thru window she was serving at three years ago. They chatted every time Burke came for her coffee in the mornings, and the two became friendly. When Burke found out that her acquaintance, a mother of three, had fallen on difficult times and been evicted from her home in Mount Healthy, she made it, she made it her mission to help reaching out to organizations that help people in difficult times. Now enjoying a fully decorated, cozy place to stay, Johnson is finally looking forward to the upcoming holidays. She said, quote, I'm just so thankful we're back in our home. And Johnson, she said this to the WCPO News. She said, the Lord really looked out for me because I kept praying and saying, could I be at home for Christmas? And there's a video of it, too. So I suggest people, maybe I'll put that up on the Facebook group because I don't want to play it because you can't get all the feels. But the video is beautiful as well. And, you know, I'm sure she <laughs> I'm sure she said thank you to the lady as well. She said, you know, sometimes people is like, you know, thank God. Yes. But like God probably put this lady in. Thank her. I'm sure she thanked her, too. This is a quick little interview. But, you know, so <laughs> yeah. but thank God. She's like, thank you, Lord. The ladies, there, like kicking dirt off the ground. Like, I mean, I, you know, I called the place the place to get you to. Yeah, get you the the house. Lord has nothing to do with this. I did. I did this. This. You can't be that. You can't be that person though. So thank me. Jeez. That's the, oh you that, are you that guy when your kids are like, thanks Santa. No, it's no. I bought this. <laughs> don't spoil it. Don't spoil it for the kids. Man, you can't be that guy. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so if you say so, but I do. <laughs> uh, no, so that was my good about story. Santa's so, not real. Yeah. <laughs> oh, was Santa out in the rain, sleet, and snow, working fifty hours right. to get the money to pay for these gifts? No. I didn't see him out there. It's funny. Thank me. Thank me now. Make me milk and cookies and give them to me. Yeah. Put them in front of me. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, but no, I always like um, stories where people, you know, do something, do something special for a stranger, essentially. So that's really cool. Uh, Fran, uh, you know, uh, we got a recommendations corner. You got anything? Nah, man. I've been watching TV. You haven't done anything? What do you do at work? You listen to something, right? Podcast. Come on, man. You know I'm going to ask you this every week. You don't have something? What are you listening to? Um, I'm listening to uh, a whole bunch of stuff. <sighs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, my recommendations corner. I've been watching Yellow Jackets. It's on Hulu. It's a fantastic show. It's like Lord of the Flies meets um, Bring It On, kind of. It's it's really interesting. It's like got this catty high school girl thing to it, but they get their plane crashes in the woods and they have mm -hmm. to survive for like two years. And it gets cannibalistic and stuff, but it's also got this catty, uh, you know, girl drama. But then it gets like weird cultish and they they like really become barbarians and savages in the woods for at, over time. They start eating each other. It's insane. Uh, Yellow Jackets. Fantastic. Um, Thousand Pound Sisters is back. Love it. One of my favorite shows on television. Every episode is crazy. And then, friend, you know. I got two favorite, I'm, I'm going to test you. This is a friend test. I got two favorite like real life shows, like real stuff with people. What are they? Hmm. And it's not not the one you just mentioned. Not thousand pound sisters, but it's in the it's in the it's in the realm. I mentioned it on the podcast. Um. The the um, uh, hoarders. Yes. Okay. So that'll be even easier. I didn't mention hoarders on this one. So what's the other one? I mentioned um, it on this episode, and it's close to thousand pound sisters. The uh, five hundred pound life. Six hundred pound life. Oh, exactly. Whatever. Boom. <laughs> so the newest episode of Thousand Pound Sisters. It's like when uh, the Avengers met the Guardians of the Galaxies. Yeah. Amy, mm -hmm. who is one of the sisters on the show, yeah, 
Which one is it, that? That's the big one or the small one? That's the one who's lost weight. She's the smaller one. Okay, got Tammy's it. awful. She's like yeah. one of the worst people I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I don't think she's going to lose the weight. She's just a terrible person. But it's, I still love the show. Amy is a hoarder. Is she? So it combined. Oh, she had mice in her cabinets and stuff. It was insane. It was one of the, it was like, oh, it was, it, oh my God. It was like, I think this is what people want from, if they, they want the X-Men to be in the Avengers movies. Like, it did this on purpose or it was just. What do you mean? They did a, they did like a. Combined episode? No, I mean, oh, they, no, it, it wasn't just, like no, it was just like she was well. a hoarder on an episode okay, of Thousand you. Pound Sisters. Okay, gotcha. Like they, she was like, I'm going to get a cleaning specialist to come and help us organize. Yeah. And it was beyond like organization. Like your house is disgusting. Yeah. And it was fantastic. And one thing I love about reality shows is the people who edit those shows are evil people. Mm-hmm. They they make some of the best cho- choices, but worst choices. So Amy's having a full blown breakdown because she's embarrassed that people are seeing how, how disgusting her house is. Mm. And she's crying and she's like, you know, I was I was doing YouTube videos a few years ago and somebody saw a roach in one of my videos and it just, you know, you guys being in here, it like, them being in here, it like triggered me. And, I, and while that's happening, they chose to pick the angle while while she's talking, a roach comes up the wall from behind her. What? And she's like, yeah, it was a roach in one of my videos years ago. And so I don't want people to think I'm disgusting. And they just show, they, they could have chose another angle. <laughs> Where the roach wasn't crawling up the wall while she's having this breakdown about this thing that happened to her from one of her YouTube videos years Maybe ago. Maybe they did. Maybe they did a multi-camera shot and it was just like, it's the oh, roaches in all let's of do this. Oh, no, that's that's ex- that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's oh, exactly yeah. what oh, they yeah, did. Okay. But like, they didn't have to do that. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a dick move. Yeah, yeah. But that's the better move. to. That's what reality television yeah. is. Make the dick move. Make them look stupid. Make them look like they're contradicting themselves. Yeah. I love that part of reality TV because it's like a choice. You're like, let's make this person, how can we make this person look stupid? Yeah. So it's really evil. But Thousand Pound Sisters. Yellow Jackets. Those are my two right now. I got okay. other shows I can't really think of. Them. I still haven't watched Only Murders in the Building, but Yellow Jackets is really good, and I'm really enjoying that. Oh, I am watching Always Sunny. Watch that. Yeah, it's okay but, right now. Yeah, you, uh, okay. you didn't really, you didn't really okay. give me much. Now, what I will say is a clip went viral on Twitter about Dennis's new Dennis system. I didn't see that okay, well, I don't know what episode it is, but I'm he's gonna... talking about basically how he tricks these like Twitter girls into thinking he's on the... yet. It definitely came out because the clip is on... Twitter, so the episode definitely aired, but mm. he's he's being like I you know I just Maybe repeat back the I just repeat back what they just said to their face, okay. and people just want to hear themselves be right, and so then I bang them. It's I his do. new his new dentist system. Mm. He's a sick guy that dentist. Yeah, yeah, they got one where it's like they replace what's name with, with uh, a sex doll with a monkey. No, oh a monkey, a monkey's an episode. Who <laughs> D? They replaced D with a monkey. <laughs> He's like, good at making beer. It's crazy. That episode, that episode, that one is funny. Though. But you're so far not super blown away, right? Yeah, I still. I mean, the show is still funny. Obviously, yes, it's, it's always just, it's just the not, characters are there. It's not like blowing your mind. Season like ten, funny. Yeah, I just remember before we get out of here that my last review. I mean, my last recommendation. Um, a show I've talked about in the past, but this season is is some of the most incredible television. And if you're a '90s kid, it, it just really speaks to a whole generation in a way that I didn't think. I thought it was too. We're still too young for, and I was wrong. Pin fifteen. I think it's the last season of the show. I don't know. I hope not, but I feel like it just feels like they did something really special, and I don't know if they're going to keep doing, going going on with the show. But this last, the newest season of Pin fifteen is some of the most amazing uh, television. Not not just comedy. It's still funny, but they're just making these really um, beautiful choices. The show is so good. It's one of my favorite shows. Pin fifteen. Great show. Highly recommend that. And if you're a 90s kid, they nail that like those little small things that you that we didn't think were a big deal. You know how you watch a show about the 80s and you go, yeah, mohawks and leather vests and uh, leopard pants. 
you being a '90s kid, you don't remember anything being exciting. But there's episodes about like making your first aim name, aim screen name, and yeah. the fire shirts and the gravedigger t-shirts and just the like the 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 unimpressive style of a of a '90s kid, like cargo pants and big shirts and braided necklaces. Like it yeah. just they just nail all that stuff that we lived through, but we didn't think was exciting. Yeah, but but they nail it. Chat rooms and all that stuff. It just is such a good show. Pen yeah. fifteen, highly recommend. Also, is, pen fifteen back, spells penis. Is, is, is what's name back on Kirby Enthusiasm? Is that back? Yeah, it's it keeps coming it? back. I haven't watched the new seasons oh, of Kirby. Okay. No, I haven't watched the new seasons of Kirby, and there have been new seasons of Kirby for the last like couple of years now. I, I thought it just I like came back recently. No, it's been like it like came back, then it went away, then it oh. it's like came back again now. It's really good. Larry Davis is a ge- Larry, Larry David is a genius. I just yeah. haven't watched the new episode. He's oh, he's so funny. He's ridiculous, and that's really him. That's the thing that makes like when you're watching Curb and something ridiculous happens, you go, if the camera wasn't on, he'd be like, You just gonna spit your gum out right yeah. there? And like make a whole thing about it. Yeah. He's uh, he's funny. he's a genius. But uh yeah, that's so that's all the recommendations. Thank you guys uh for joining us for another episode of Affirmative Murder. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Franco Evans, and we'll see you guys next week. Deuces. <laughs>